Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Theresa and NY Patriot, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having us on. Thank you. <laughs> can you tell us how you got onto this mission in the first place, please? It's actually, you know, that's that's funny because... We even have an episode that still hasn't dropped yet that actually explains why we even put out the weather manipulation patent show. Um, and you know what? I'll let because honestly, it was really Teresa who kind of brought the stuff to my attention. So I'll let you kind of give the basis of sure. how we even got to this. Yeah. So I'm from Toronto, Canada. I don't know if anyone knows that, but uh, a while back around Halloween time, so end of October, early November, we had this like mysterious, creepy fog just like aggressively roll in across the greater Toronto area. And then through the wonders of social media, we're realizing this is not just in Toronto. This is like all the Eastern seaboard of like the United States from like New York down to like Florida. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It happened to her. And then no lie. Two days later, I'm looking on the news. They're showing photos. These, these wonderful, beautiful photos of this gigantic fog just crawling into New York. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's what was just in Canada two days ago. Yeah. And it's just, it's <laughs> funny how it happened because I have a large window like in, in my kitchen. So I remember like that night, my husband take, took one of our sons out for like an activity. And I was like, oh, it's such a nice evening. And then like 10 minutes later, it was like literally this mist like rolling in like something out of a movie. I was like, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally was. For, uh, spiders to start crawling out of the sky. It was. And then after Did that, it? you know, I and I said, just as kind of like a conspiracy joke, I was like, I bet you in like two weeks, everyone gets sick. And then sure enough, this like wave of COVID and flu was like coming around. So it was it was funny. Did it have a particular smell to it or a particular feel to it? Yes, a lot of people said, well, personally, I thought it smelled like battery acid, like outside. I was like, I smell like old batteries. And a lot of people were saying similar stuff, that it had a smell, that it made their eyes irritated, uh, skin itchy, coughing, labored breathing. Um, People were reporting this like all over like the Toronto area and then parts of the U.S. that we saw from social media. So that kind of got our our gears turning. (laughs) Yeah. And then what? And then eventually I was just like, you know, sometimes, and I do believe this, that uh, unfortunately sometimes it comes out 30, 40 years later, um, we will be told the truth of things that have happened. It's just either in certain ways uh, that people don't understand or will tell you 30 or 40 years after the fact. So I started thinking like, uh, you know, is there actual experiments and studies that might have been done by the government that they will admit to? And sometimes when you dig for that stuff and go to the government site, it's actually not hard to find that they may actually be honest about things from a while ago. And then we started coming into like these experiments that they admit to have done using planes, subways, uh, putting, uh, you know, like uh, fans on buildings to help blow stuff too, which, you know, we can get into with the, the experiments. But uh, I was just like, you know, this is very interesting that, I mean, they're even admitting this stuff. And I, yeah. I, and the funny thing is, is that no lie, like she said, we recorded this probably in October 
because of the way my show is set up, I'm just like almost two months ahead and pre-recorded stuff. I'm like, what's the odds of it dropping now with all of the stuff? Now, it wasn't subways, but we got train stuff going on. Now, when we get into the patents, they're using weather balloons when they're doing the how these patents supposedly work. Now, I understand we may not be using weather balloons with the little thing hanging from it anymore, but now we got all these balloons in the sky, too. So I'm like, it just seems very coincidental. It's not trains, it's subways, and it's not old weather balloons, it's new weather balloons. So I'm like, yeah, we may be seeing the past being repeated in new technology. All right, we've got plenty of time here. So can we go over in detail the documented experiments that you found that the government has admitted to? Yes. Uh, there was one um, from Minneapolis to St. Louis. They did use a plane. Uh, the military tested a biological a chemical weapon uh, that would spread throughout the country by spraying bacteria as well as various chemical powders, including an especially controversial one called the zinc cadmium sulfide. Low-flying airplanes, uh, airplanes would take off near the Canadian border. And again, why I thought this was interesting is because this is going from Canada to the United States again. Yeah. Uh, they would fly down through the Midwest, dropping their payloads over cities. Uh, the sprays were tested on the ground, too, with machines that would release clouds from city rooftops or intersections to see how they spread. Uh, to prevent the suspicion, the military pretended that they were testing a way to mask the whole city in order to protect it. They told the city officials that the tests involved efforts to measure ability to lay smoke screens about the city to hide it in case of a nuclear attack. So again, for our own good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> toxicity of that controversial compound zinc, cadmium sulfide is debated. Uh, so, you know, some people do say that that is, uh, you know, whatever, it could be toxic. Uh, in 1997, a report from the National Research Council actually concluded that the Army did do these secret tests, uh, did not expose. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is that there was evidence that the powder after it was released would then be located a day or two later as far as 1,200 miles away. Wow. So when was that, roughly? Uh, let me go back to that. I think that was in the 60s. In the 60s. Uh, I, even, in, then even back in 1951, supposedly, you know, there was a big thing. I wasn't going to bring it up. I'll just mention it now because I'm looking at it. Uh, even uh, this, the United States and I think uh, China and North Korea even, like, allegedly said that we did stuff like this over there, using our planes and dropping stuff to kind of chemically mess with them. So, so the first ex so the first experiments were on overseas populations and then they started doing it on domestic populations. Yeah. So that's what it seems like. Uh between 1949 and 1969 open air tests of biological agents were conducted 239 times. What? In 80 of those experiments the army said it used the live bacteria that its uh, researchers at the time thought were harmless. <laughs> in the, in the, used inner chemicals to simulate bacteria. In the 1950s, uh, the Army researchers dispersed Sarasia on Panama City and Key West, Florida, with known uh, with no known illnesses resulting. So at least that was okay, I guess. In the 1950s, they even uh, dispersed zinc cadmium, like I had mentioned before, over Minnesota and other Midwestern states to see how far they would spread in the atmospheres. 
And again, the particles were detected more than a thousand miles away in New York State. Just great to know that's where I am. Um, back, Bacillus. I'm sorry, I'm going to mess these words up. Bacillus globigii, uh, never known to be harmful to people, was also released in San Francisco, New York, Washington D.C., and along the Pennsylvania Turnpike, among other places. So, I mean, they uh, they don't. You know, in the past, they have admitted to uh, actually dumping plenty of stuff on people. What's the most recent one they've admitted to? Um, there was one that I thought was really interesting. Um, I'm sure there's probably other things. Again, this is even an old one, but it was done in 1966, a study of the vulnerability of the subway passengers in New York City. Um, and the New York subway system's experiments are among the most shocking in terms of the numbers of people exposed. In a field test called a study of the vulnerability vulnerability of subway passengers in New York City to convert to covert attack with biological agents. Um, basically, they took light bulbs that had you know trillions of bacteria in them, broke them with inside the subway system, and then wanted to see with the air from the subway, from the trains going through the tunnels, how well that would help disperse whatever they broke inside the tunnels. So I know, I know that's still old, but I mean, that's 1966 dealing with trains or subways. You know, We've got a lot of viewers in the UK and some are asking in the chat, whether you are aware of any of this being done on the UK population. No, we did, uh, which hasn't, we just dropped. We did do something with patents that, uh, I think Teresa was going to touch on a little bit if we had time. Uh, a lot of the patents that we covered kind of for the United States, the UK will take those patents and then add to them. So you are using even some of the same patents that we're going to, that we'll get into um, that, that we had, which is like making it more uh, up to date, adding new things to them. So the, I do see a connection between the UK using stuff that we've already come up with and used. Just well, you know, for, pe- for, pe- for people who haven't researched this, when you say patents... Like, it's, um, you, you can mean- literally go uh, online and look up weather modification patents, and you will find them on the government website. Again, that's what I was getting at. If people think of things <laughs> to look up, you can actually find a lot. You just have to put pieces together. That's, do, you want to, do you want to elaborate on that, Teresa, then? He said you've got something. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, you want to jump into patents or go over, like, another citizen experiment shall we say if, if there's more citizen experiments that we've not covered let, let's let's cover those first yeah so there's a good um uh, well not a good one a very bad one that has a canadian connection so um just to kind of reiterate what ny was saying um in canada i don't know if you guys are aware like obviously you know the vietnam war that occurred but canada was actually largely responsible for manufacturing agent orange which was used on the Vietnamese citizens. Um, so from 1961 to 1971, 75 million liters of Agent Orange and tactical herbicides were sprayed on about 12% of South and Central Vietnam and was also used on Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. Um, about 5 million people were affected by the spraying during the war um, and children were born with tons of birth defects linked to the herbicides. Uh, Still today in Vietnam, more than 100,000 children are the third and fourth generational victims of this tragedy. 
Um, sadly, some of Agent Orange is still uh, found in Vietnam and was produced in Canada, and the legacy continues. Um, so Agent Orange was produced by Uniroyal, which is a large company here in North America, um, in a small town in Ontario called Elmira. So it's like a farming community just outside Waterloo. Um, and in late 1989, even like 17 years after production stopped, Elmira was forced to shut down its water supply because of the discovery of high levels of Agent Orange in the aquifer that flows underneath the ground of the town. Um, so it's been something that's a big, big problem. I have a friend who's from Elmira and she's convinced that some of her family even developed like neurological problems because of the water. Um, who people who like didn't believe in like filtering their water and just got it from the tap or the well, um, even like contributing to levels of autism in the town, things like this. So pretty scary stuff. Um, and also the American government even worked with the Canadian military to test Agent Orange, Agent White and Agent Purple on deforestation and vegetation management. And that was even in like 1966 out of um, Canadian divisional base Gagetown. It's called it's an army base here in Ontario. So interesting. The governments work together. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading a David Icke book years ago where he talked about Agent Orange. And For sure. Henry Kissinger, I'm sure he's not losing any sleep over it, but a lot of the, the uh, responsibility lies with him and his cronies. Mm. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> And I even uh, I even have another one here I forgot to mention, and the reason I wanted to mention this is because it involves planes again. There was, uh, this is a little bit older, Operation Big Buzz was a U.S. military uh, testing that was done in the state of Georgia in 1955, where they dispersed over 300,000 mosquitoes from aircraft through and through ground dispersal methods as well. Uh, 19, June of 1955 in the United States of Georgia, the operation was a field test to uh, designed to determine the feasibility of producing, uh, you know, dispersing yellow fever mosquitoes. And they wanted to see if these mosquitoes would survive the dispersion and seek meals on the ground. That's their reasoning behind the test. A fun little experiment. See if they will survive and make it to the ground and eat. Not, not, not if, you know, anybody gets yellow fever. That's not it. <laughs> what happened? What actually happened? Uh, the thing ends up saying the mosquitoes were collected as far as 2,000 feet from the release site, and uh, that's about it. It really doesn't say much on what they concluded if anybody got infected. And they did uh, They did this from 300 feet above the ground. So, they, I mean, that's not even that high. That's pretty, I would say that's pretty, that's some low, low-hanging planes. Yeah. It's like an episode of Black Mirror, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then I mean I even have this. Uh this doesn't include like, you know, planes and stuff. I was trying to like stick to planes and trains for this show because it's kind of common or what people are talking about. But I mean even older, back in nineteen forty seven to nineteen nineteen forty five to nineteen forty seven, the, the Vanderbilt nutritional study, they were allowed to expose eight hundred and twenty pregnant women to radioactive iron. And an exceptionally large-scale radiation and exposure experiment at Vanderbilt University was funded by the U.S. Public Health Service and involved 820 poor pregnant Caucasian women who were given tracer doses of radioactive iron in a cocktail drink. 
The researchers worked with the Tennessee State Department of Health. So, I mean, there was people, uh, you know, working together. I mean, aren't they the ones? Aren't they the ones who did the syphilis experiment? The Tennessee, the gay people oh, syphilis. Oh, was that the Tuskegee experiments? Or am I getting confused? Uh, yeah, Tuskegee experiment on the oh. black population, the African Americans population That's specifically. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, the- then again, here's another one, 1948 to the 1970s, nasal radium irradiation of children at John Hopkins. Between 1948 and 1954, 582 Baltimore school children were subjected to radiation in a federally funded experiment whose stated intent was to gauge long-term hearing loss. Many children received the treatment more than once as, re- uh, as recurrent lymphoid tissue I don't know. I'm not going to. It's a long thing, but they were exposing, like, even children to radium, radium irradiation. Yeah. There were some tests where they were even, like, putting stuff in, like, the kids, like, uh, food for them to eat it. Yeah. Canada and- has a history of that, too, with the native population. They've given, like, the natives, like, items, like blankets, for example, that had, like, diseases on them and then made the population sick. Or there's, like, a whole nutritional experiment that the government did in the residential school system. I don't know if the you know, British viewers are familiar with what a residential school is, but basically it's like all the native children were supposed to go to these schools on their reservation lands and then essentially get brainwashed to have like the native taken out of them and like Canadianize them, so to say. Yeah, so interesting, weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it even says the President's Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments, the one I was just talking about, Extrapolating from the known effects of radiation doses, calculated that children who received nasal radiation faced a lifetime risk of brain cancer, of brain cancer of 4.35 cases per thousand population, basically 62% higher than normal. So now these kids are, you know, exposed to this or at a 62% higher chance than normal of getting brain cancer. Yeah, we've, we've had a guy on called Kevin Annette. Um, he's got banned from YouTube though but if the viewers want to follow up on what Teresa just said about the residential schools you can go on my rumble and look up what I've done with Kevin Annette and he really breaks it down uh, not just the spreading of the diseases but the uh, the genocide of the Native American uh, the young people especially in the residential schools it's absolutely horrific yeah yeah it's a very dark part of Canadian history that a lot of people are not aware of and actually we're not really taught about it in school here um only in more recent years with like public pressure to kind of expose it um has it kind of more come out in like the mainstream yeah, yeah. i have a, a a friend that i uh, podcast i uh, have him i've had him on my show a few times he's from vancouver and he's really huge into covering uh you know he started looking into it and he's like you'd be surprised how many crimes against the indigenous people is going on here like it's just quite obvious. Like something. So about, many. He's been big digging into that a lot, and I do think there is something behind that. They're being targeted. I think. Have you looked at experiments on soldiers? Then, like U.S. soldiers, uh, Gulf War syndrome, exposing soldiers to nuclear blasts, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, like I said, I didn't bring. I kind of tried to bring what I thought would be fitting with now. I do know in this episode that drops this uh, Monday, there was stuff that I did cover where uh, I think they were taking, I don't know if they were retired veterans already, 
but they did expose uh, people that were involved in the military to certain uh, gases to see mm-hmm. if it, uh, I think, was like getting through the masks or if it was going to it get them exposed with whatever they were wearing as preventative uh, things. So, yeah, there I don't know the exact name of what it was called and what they used, but there is documented stuff, if you look it up, where they did do tests against the, our own troops or retired ones, at least. Yeah, well, speaking of military stuff, actually, one of the main reasons why we even got into this topic was because of um, the discovery of phosgene in the fog that I talked about that happened in late fall. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hope you're enjoying this podcast. There's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money. The other day, I had to cancel free Amazon Prime memberships. I had a personal on the UK, Amazon, US, Amazon company account, US Amazon, UK Amazon. Do you understand how hard it is to cancel these bloody things? That's why Rocket Money makes these things so much easier, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. Just like with me, with my four Amazon Prime memberships, you may find out you've been at least double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you've got to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Links in the description box. Cheers. So I don't know if you know what Fosgene is. No, what is it? Yeah, P-H-O-S-G-E-N-E, if anyone wants to spell it out. So in the fog that happened in Toronto and North America area in the fall, uh, a friend of mine is actually a biofeedback practitioner. So she picked up like readings of Fosgene, like in on herself, on her family. She was like, what the heck is Fosgene? So she looked it up and it's actually like a super toxic chemical that was used in World War One. Um, and it was responsible for probably about 85,000 deaths. It was used by the Germans, but also a favored uh, tool of the Allied forces as well. So it was used to like gas out trenches. Um, it causes, it can cause death, um, but also like eye and skin irritation, which is what a lot of people were complaining about when that fog rolled out. Um, so yeah, it's basically a, a use of chemical warfare. So that was really what I think tipped us off to be like, this is not a regular fog, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, so interesting. And to tie that into current events, phosgene has also been picked up from the Ohio train derailment fires. Uh, people are saying the vinyl uh, chemicals that uh, were spilled to do to the, the authorities were doing this like controlled burn. And the result of the burn plus the chemicals is releasing phosgene into the atmosphere. Wow. So is which, that which is actually accidental? It's funny because one of the patents that I do get into has a weird, it's a really weird combination that they actually mix together to get a, uh, to get like a chemical combination. So like, it's almost like I would be seeing the same thing repeated again. All right. So we've established what the government is capable of. They obviously have no <laughs> conscience, yeah. psychopaths, psychopaths. Totally. And they, they, the, the humans, uh, the popular, the general population are just expendable. So we're going to move over to weather manipulation patents. Let, let's just define that first then before we get into the, you know, what, what you guys know. Um, yeah. You want to go? Well, I think what we discovered about the patents and we wanted to look into those was we can theorize all day long about like what the government is doing and like they have these crazy plans. But at the same time, like, is this actually like technology capable? Like, are we technically capable of doing this? you know, people who don't believe in chemtrails, like these patents and technology exists. So we have like the receipts to show, <laughs> you know, and this is just what's publicly available. You know, who knows beyond that, you know, what technology they have access to. So we were shocked, I think, in our research about how far back these patents yeah. go. Like the earliest ones we could find was even in the 1800s, like late 1800s, early 1900s. So that was pretty wild. And I think there was even like a fire to the U.S. Patent Office in like what year? Like yeah, it was like yeah, or something? Yeah, well, yeah, in the early 1800s. I mean, not that I think, I mean, I don't know how many weather patents were prior to that. The first one I'm going to cover is from 1891. But the Patent Office, I think in the 18 whatever early, um, went on fire. And basically anything before that was never like didn't have a serial number. didn't have like there's no proof of any patents now prior to then and there was no way of keeping track of them either so at some point even our patents have been erased <laughs> and there's no proof of them time ago but i mean who knows what were they capable of back then then well i guess i'll you want me to start off uh Teresa? Sure. I, I have the oldest one yeah uh, you have the oldest one go ahead united states patent office uh lewis gatham of chicago illinois method of producing rainfall uh, to all whom it may concern, be it known that I, Louis Gathman, a citizen of the United States of America residing in Chicago in the county of Crook in state of Illinois, have invented certain new and useful improvements. I thought that was interesting how they said new. Because again, like, does that mean that there were ones prior to this that I just couldn't find? Um, new and useful improvements in methods of producing rainfall of which the following is uh, the specification. So basically going back to November 10th, uh, 1891, serial number for it and everything. Uh, back then, I wasn't, I'm wasn't. i not going to go into it because a lot of it's just like a lot of science and technical talk, but this guy was saying he could produce rainfall back in uh, 1891. Um, there was two witnesses <laughs> There's a, and on some of the older, I don't remember if it's the newer patents, there is witnesses, I guess, that are there to say, like, this isn't, it's almost like maybe a notary back then, kind of, to say, like, this is so and so, and yes, this is, is the person who did it. 
um, there was two witnesses and, and I was like, you know, let me just look into them and see if any of them are interesting. Um, one was Harry C. Kennedy. I couldn't find much on him, but again, just that last name is very interesting, Kennedy. And there was a witness called uh, William H. Lotz. Um, real quick, this Gathman guy is also the guy who made the Gathman gun. And his father was a uh, big into astronomy. So, you know, who knows? Maybe there's some like weirdness in the family. Well, they're just uh, very – Louis <laughs> Gathman was an engineer and inventor who held num numerous patents in many different uh, fields. Initially, Gathman created equipment for screening and sifting wheat and flour and held a numerous uh, number of patents for these devices. In uh, the 1880s, Gathman built in three, three astronomical observatories in the Chicago area. So, like, this guy is into other things besides patents, astrological stuff. He made a gun, <laughs> you know. Uh, but now to get back to William H. Lotz, if you go to his tombstone, I don't know what made me look this up. I looked up his tombstone, and uh, he was from April 4th, 1880 to September 19th, 1955. Uh, if you were to go Google his tombstone, uh, you will see this big, gigantic Freemason symbol on his tombstone. <laughs> and I was just like, what's the odds? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I'm not knocking all of them. It's just, you know. Which is funny, you know. I don't know. It just seemed too. So you said you said um, that some of the science behind it is it was described. You know, could you just give us a bit of it? What what it what it says? A little bit of it, so we can. Yeah, there was other ones I was going to get into that were better. I'll uh, I'll look it up. Uh, <sighs> my invention relates to a method of producing a rainfall, and it consists in several steps here and after, fully described. Uh, my method is designed to produce a condensation in the upper regions of the atmospheric air in such, in such quantities that a cloud will be formed from which a rainfall will be precipitated. Various means could be employed for accomplishing this object, namely a condensation of moisture suspended in the atmosphere, but the means herein named is thought to be most successful namely to suddenly chill the atmosphere by rapid evaporation. And it is also advisable to produce a heavy concussion in connection with the cooling in order to set the different air currents in motion. Wow. Yeah. These people were serious. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, these, these <laughs> things, like, I don't even really understand what they're getting at. I'm sure it makes sense to them. Um, another one that I could get into that I thought was uh, interesting um, United States Patent Office, and this is April 27th, 1920. Um, it was originally filed December 10th, 1917. Took three years to pass, I guess. Uh, be it known that we, Paul Weiss, engineer of 78th Avenue, Henry Martini, uh, at Paris Department of... This was which I thought was funny, too. These people aren't even in the United States. These people are in France, and they're patenting something here. So that, that seemed interesting. Um, the present invention renders it possible to produce very opaque artificial mists by affecting the atomization of anhydrous chlorides, such as titanium chloride or stannic chloride or anal analogous, sorry, I'm screwing that up, bodies in a, mo in a moist <laughs> atmosphere. Um, so like they, and this includes like them using a balloon to bring stuff up to do that. Um, 
So they're already talking about here in 1920, they're able to make fake clouds and fogs. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the apparatus for the production of the intense artificial clouds from a fume producing product and ammonial gas consisting of flasks containing under pressure. You know, they're like taking flasks and gas. They're making it a fume. They're putting pressure to it. You know, then there's injectors to blow it out. So, I mean, even back then. And I do think uh, not that this doesn't have vinyl chloride in it, but you know, that is coming up too. And this did have chlorides in it as well. <laughs> yeah. So was America the trailblazer with this then? Maybe. Uh, anhydrous HCI response. Uh, I looked up anhydrous chloride, and it is a chemical like chlorine, and it is uh, toxic to inhale. It is limited to distribution and use, and it is shipped by rail tank cars, highway cargo tanks, tube trailers, and cylinders. God. I'm like, <laughs> what are we seeing now? Current events. It's really nice. weird, right? God. And then if you even look it up, uh, stannic chloride, um, according to Cameo Chemicals, uh, inhalation or ingestion or skin contact with the material can cause severe injury or death. Now, I don't know what these levels are, and I don't know the levels of these experiments, but at some point, this chemical can also be dangerous. So I find it interesting. And one of the witnesses to that was uh, Chaz P. Presley. And when I looked up Chaz P. Presley, he also has the patent of the process of manufacturing chlorobenzene. Oh, wow. It's like, like, you know, what's going on here? They're all Freemasons as well. I, no, I don't. I didn't find anything on them. But, and again, this guy again is from Paris, France. It's like yeah. you're, you're in another country patenting this stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's okay. The United States is the testing ground, so we'll, we'll go over there, patent it there, and they'll test it first. I don't know. So did this stuff accelerate when the world wars kicked in? <sighs> It seems to be a little bit. I think a lot of the weather science kind of exploded post-World War II, it seems. You know, we can theorize a lot of reasons why. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to forget this because Teresa did mention this. Sorry to interrupt. I didn't want to forget. Chlorobenzene was used in the manufacture of pesticides, most notably DDT. Yes. You just mentioned that before. Sorry, I didn't want to forget forget that. Yeah. Well, another thing, too, about the like recent chemical spills, I was wondering, like just the gears in my mind, you know, with all this chemicals being released into the water and into the air, are we going to see a rise of a new pandemic like DDT historically is associated with the rise of polio, smallpox, all these kind of viruses. Right. So I'm like, hmm, is this like a plan to like, you know, unleash that into the population? for another purpose. So how would, if this was unleashed into the population, how would the people unleashing it protect themselves? Well, they must know what to do and what to take to detoxify, you know, because obviously we're all, we're all in the same environment, but you know, maybe they're getting their water from a different source or, you know, treat it a certain way. Maybe they're trying to warn us with the masks for a different reason. So what, what's the more recent uh, weather manipulation patents then? 
Well, <clears throat> I do want to cover this one because I do find this one to be very weird. Unfortunately, it's still old. Um, this one's another one. It's called. It's from 1914. It is called The Rainmaker. That one caught my uh, my eye because of John Grisham's Rainmaker. <laughs> but, but, uh, I decided to look at that. And uh, this one, you know, it, it, uh, James M. Cordray, citizen of the United States, residing at Los Angeles in the county of Los Angeles, uh, have invented certain new and useful improvements in Rainmakers, of which the following is a specification. My invention relates to methods of an apparatus for producing rain. And the object of my invention is to produce a method which may be employed in those sections of the world where rainfalls occur at widely separated periodic intervals. So they're making it sound like this is like for a good reason. For places that are droughts, um, we can use this. Um, one, I didn't find much about it, but they did use a chloride of potash. Um, that's kind of questionable if it's toxic or not. So I didn't get too much into it. But the thing that I found weird, this is, was just like, what? Uh, figure four, because uh, these uh, these patents sometimes will come with figures too, where there's little drawings of what they're talking about. Uh, may, uh, figure four illustrates one of a number of balloons to be employed in raising a tank containing sulfuric acid and crushed bone. The bone and acid being intended as a ready means for generating nitrogen. So these people throwing balloons up, balloons up into the air, mixing sulfuric acid and bone together. It's just very weird. Like they were doing that yeah. back in 1914, I guess. Like I, I'm, I'm assuming you have done these to make the patent. Uh, maybe they're a theory. I don't know, but uh, yeah. I just found that just something weird to add for an old patent, like sulfuric acid and bone. Yeah, it seems. It is. And like in our research, um, you know, through a lot of the patents deal with like vapors. I found like a lot of the older ones from like the period uh, NY is talking about like early 1900s through to like maybe the 50s and 60s. It deals with like conducting vapors, producing vapors, rainfall, fog, dispersal, all this kind of stuff. And we found that like actually they need like a particle to carry the liquid. So it's interesting. It's like the crushed bone or then later they do it with like other sorts of particulates um, and it gets more sophisticated, of course, as the patents build on each other and the technology gets more sophisticated. But it's interesting. Um, I did find personally like an observation was that as the patents modernized, the purpose seems to have changed a little bit. So a lot of the early ones dealing with precipitation and then the later ones getting into maybe more like nanotech, uh, graphene-based, RFID applications. So this is kind of like where it's heading, right? Mm. Let, let, let me just t- tell the viewers, we're, we're over halfway through this interview. We're talking about chemtrails and weather modification. If you do have any questions for our guests, NY and Teresa, Please put them in the comments section or the chat, Whether if you're watching on Facebook, the replies, and we will get all those questions to our guests. And we've got one already that's come in from Anxious Man. He's asking if you know anything about Hurricane Florian. No. No. What is that? Where is that happening? Or did that happen? <laughs> I think this was... Um, an old hurricane. I don't think it's a present okay. one. Yeah. Well, one thing I can say about hurricanes. Um, hurricane just Florence. 
Florence, I think. Oh, okay. Name. Just through our research, like, I'm not sure if your viewers are, they're probably familiar with HARP, H-A-A-R-P, which is like a massive, like, weather stations where they can manipulate weather, currents, wind, precipitation. Um, actually, Kendrick, is that in Alaska? Is it in Alaska? Huh? There is one in Alaska, but there's several. There's not just one. There's several around the world. Um, but what we discovered is like the use of chemtrails is not just like to pollute the air and the water and our what we inhale and ingest is actually to change like the electromagnetic um, frequency of like the atmosphere and then harp interacts with that frequency and that's how a lot of like storms get manipulated and created yeah it's so, almost it's like the planes or something will be dropped as like the, the conduit for harp to you know start doing things i think teresa yeah. was even mentioning something about the gas if you want to get into that that i even thought was weird oh so one of the, the patent about the gas thing. well it was like the communication <laughs> through gases yeah so okay let me find that one if you want if you want while you're looking for that i'll bring up this last patent that i was going to cover that is a little bit newer but i think it's very weird um this one is from 1948 the application uh, may 7th 1948 um process for controlling weather harry m brandow uh wc inc if people want to start looking into wc inc of delaware that can be a little interesting i also you know through uh, through covering stuff on the occult rejects and, you know, a lot of times we will dig into financial uh, aspects of companies because I think a lot of times you can see a lot of what's really going on behind the scenes. If you see other businesses and then start checking like, uh, you know, tax write-offs, you can start really seeing like what maybe was really going on with these companies. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When we wake up in the morning, we get out of bed, and we start our day with Koro Snacks. Koro is a healthy snacks brand focusing on bringing additive-free natural ingredients to their customers with fair prices in bulk packaging. They have everything from nut butters to free-from-baking ingredients to cooking essentials and, of course, the snacks. doesn't get healthier than this because all those other snacks have refined sugars, colors, preservatives, and additives. Koros snacks have none of that. I can't wait. So I'm going to go for the bio energy ball today. Ooh, Salty pistachio. I've got a little uh, chocolate bar here, I think. Oh, the coconut chocolate bar. Mmm. 
Mm. Oh, that's good. Wanna try? Ooh. <laughs> so what makes Coro special in comparison to others? Coro avoids using sulfur, refined sugars, preservatives, colours and other additives. For a 5% discount on Coro's products, use the code TRUECRIME with no space in between true and crime. The link to Coro's online shop is in the description box on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. Um, this place is also in Delaware. Delaware is always a huge place that a lot of shady places that we cover seem to be, and I think it's because of the taxes. Different taxes in Delaware, different taxes in Pennsylvania sometimes, and you see a lot of, my opinion, companies are into shady stuff, always involved with those states, probably for tax reasons. Isn't Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Archwell <laughs> Foundation. Isn't Delaware. Joe Biden? Isn't Biden from Delaware? Biden lives in Delaware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when you have uh, top secret uh, stuff, it doesn't count there either. Because <laughs> no one cares about Delaware. That's why they don't look at it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Real quick for me to cover this one, and, and I the reason why I love mentioning this one is because how they're pretty honest with one of the things in here. This invention relates to a process for affecting changes in weather conditions and more specifically to a process for dissipating clouds and fog by clearing the atmosphere of moisture particles that are large enough to be visible and yet, yet, yet not large enough to fall out of suspension in the gases of the atmosphere. Specifically, an object of this, uh, an object of this invention is to maintain contact with weather conditions at airports, air traffic zones, uh, centers on airways by reducing economically the amount of visible water vapor. Um, an object of this invention is to control weather, which causes hail damage, lightning, and, interfer and interferences with wave transmissions by the reduction of visible water vapor through the dissipation of clouds. Another object of this invention is the control of weather by dissipating typhoons, hurricanes, and other storm centers by dissipation of the convective clouds forming the weather phenomena. Another object of this uh, invention is the control of weather causing snow and sleet in heavy populated areas where large quantities are particularly undesirable because of its effect on traffic conditions. Another object of the present invention is the process of dissipating weather frontal systems which causes floods due to continuous rains. Another object of the present invention is to provide rain in designated areas by use of my weather control process. I think this was actually uh, pretty honest and open. Think <laughs> outside the box a little bit. You got a question from Anexus. What is the end game for dispersing chemtrails? You know. That is something me and her were even talking about prior to the show. I do think, and uh, I think she was agreeing with me on it, I think is probably a multi-layered thing. Um, like, Teresa, you want to get it? I mean, like the gases thing. Yeah. You know, you know, connecting to that with gases and just, you know, do that, and then maybe we can go into the other ideas of what we think it is. Because I sure. think this is a possibility of one of the reasons why they're doing this stuff is so HARP can manipulate something that's in the air. Yeah, why don't I get into a couple of the more like uh, different kind of patents and then we can theorize about that question, okay? Go for it. So, all right. So there is a patent in 1964 by inventor Stuart L. Seaton 
The title of the patent is Means for Communicating Through a Layer of Ionized Gas. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right? So it's an invention that relates to the modulation of electromagnetic waves and communicating through a layer of ionized gases. When space vehicles are traveling at hypersonic speed, which means higher than Mach 10, and enter or leave planetary atmospheres, the vehicle becomes surrounded by a layer of plasma that blocks and obstructs electromagnetic wave communication. The invention applies a modulated magnetic field to the layer of plasma to make measuring the conditions inside the layer of gas possible. This is a new way of modulating electromagnetic waves and communicating through ionized gases. So we're getting into a lot of electromagnetic talk now, which I find is interesting. And that's 1964. Wow. Okay. So another one we have here. From 1968, um, this patent was from two Italian inventors, Mario Grossi and Pietro Lombardini, uh, a means for generating and controlling an ionized cloud in the ionosphere, transmitting communication signals directed at an ionized cloud, and the cloud will transmit and propagate communication signals within the ionosphere, trapping the wavelength duct that encircles the entire Earth. Interesting. Sounds like it's awesome. almost starting to use ley lines, possibly to perhaps manipulate and use as like maybe an airflow or an airway, or like it's it's their interstate of transmission. Right? Yeah, it's almost like they're learning how to like hack in to this like electromagnetic system and like use it to their advantage. Right. Wow. Interesting. A more recent patent that I found was from 2010, January 12th, 2010. Uh, deals with RFID environmental manipulation. Uh, and the inventor was James Neil Rogers from Langley, British Columbia, Canadian, actually. Um, the abstract is extremely technical, so I'm not going to read it, but uh, it deals with aluminum oxide, graphene, and other like metallic electromagnetic particulates in the atmosphere. So relating to RFID technology, where have we heard these terms before, right? So that's like my own personal take on chemtrails is it's not just to like block the sun or like cool the atmosphere. Not just to poison you. I think they're not just be- to poison us. Exactly. I think there's further applications that maybe connect with a certain medical intervention as well. That's I even my- think. I yeah. even think it's the point gonna- to, to where maybe those chemtrails stuff being dropped in the sky, and then if you're able to send a frequency to hack into it. Who's to say we won't be shown things that aren't there as well? Like getting into Project Bluebeam kind of stuff? You know, you need some type type of thing in the sky. And if you can, you know, tap into the frequency that that thing will work on or start reflecting, you know, if you have metals in the sky, it will tap into a frequency and reflect it in a way. So, like, you have no idea how they're doing this. You got a follow-up question here from Katya. Is there a connection with the World Economic Forum and chemtrails? And if so, who is the puppet master? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes to a lot of things, the puppet masters won't have a name to it because we won't know who they am, who they are. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I would assume this stuff is probably talked about there because, like, I mean, again, we're showing you how like other countries are involved with the patents that are being used here. I mean, uh, Canada to New York. 
I mean, I, I do think there probably is like, uh, we'll test here, we'll try that. Then if that works, we'll go here, go there. I'm sure there's probably some something worked worked around with all these countries together. Totally. And also too, like with the more recent events of the Ohio chemical spill and other spills around America that were all happening within the same like two week span. Um, I saw somebody who smartly like overlaid a map of where those spills happened. And then the uh, World Economic Forum, like Agenda 2030 map of like smart cities, like where they want to implement these new cities where they like funnel the population. And it seemed to work very well together. So that's interesting because there is a clause in Agenda 2030 where if the water is not viable and the land is not viable, the government has the authority to move you to wherever they see fit. Yeah. Yeah. There was even a, and when she had mentioned that to me earlier, I was even like, you know, there was a, there was a a series that we did on Skinwalker Ranch and, you know, that started tying into NASA. And I started looking at one of the people that was on the show, Skinwalker Ranch, Travis Scott, or no, Travis Taylor, whatever his name is. I might get confused with that. (laughs) Yeah. Travis Scott. Uh, and his, I found out that his father worked with Werner, you know, Werner von Braun. And, but he was also involved with, uh, some testing stuff that NASA did. And like whatever they were working with was so hazardous that that test site is now completely deemed you cannot do anything there. And it's a place has been closed down and it has to be like things have to be dug down a certain amount of feet deep and tested like every six months to a year to see if it's any better. So like we, I've already, you know, we already have proof of like whatever that they're doing uh, can destroy the area and then they will consider it deemed no good anymore and nothing can go there. So they've even done it with their own stuff. So I can see it that being a possibility with, you know, human property. Now. You got a few questions coming about California. A Baker wants to know if there's chemtrails over Silicon Valley. I don't know. I wish I knew. <laughs> and Anna, Annabelle has asked if they can change the weather why don't they make it rain in California when there's a drought you know what that's funny I was just about to say that um, because there are other patents for positive applications you know like the rain making ones could be used for good for sure um, there's also patents that deal with cleaning the atmosphere of toxins um, for irrigating crops you know that need like, why are they not using these patterns that can remove aerosols, remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere? Why are we, with all the talk of climate change and environmental emergency, why are these technologies not being applied in a positive manner? Why are we not, you know, trying to make rain over Libya and Syria when there's a drought or California to prevent forest fires? Like, why? Why? <laughs> You know, why does it always seem to be applying in a negative manner? Because psychopaths are running it. Right? Exactly. Like there there are people who create these technologies that could be applied in a very positive way. Right? It's not not in the interest of the palm ticklers, though, is it? The puppet masters (laughs) don't like it. (laughs) So I even think real quick, just, you know, because the thing is with me and the occult rejects also is, you know, we we look, you know, into occultism and magic. I do think it's a whole other topic, but I do think sometimes even the fires in Cali are actually meant to be there just as, as an above, so below type sense. I think it is referencing the beast in a sense. We'll have to get you back to talk on that stuff. We've only got about 10 minutes or so left. The next question is from Alias Karelius. 
How bad is EMF radiation? Anything over 10 can start to uh, make you hallucinate and hear things. Uh, there was actually, believe it or not, at one point I was using that copper material and I'm actually wrapping it around my mic and some of my equipment because all of this gives off EMF. Uh, if you think about it, like, and not to sound silly, um, but like ghost hunters, they're always walking around with an EMF detector. And it's, you know, when those things are up, weird things tend to happen. I have people that I'm friends with, well, not personally, physically, but throughout doing podcasting that I keep in touch with. I have a friend uh, who does Randonautica. He takes an EMF with him and he sometimes gets weird readings when things happen. I have a friend called the Crusher who's been over to Skinwalker Ranch and has been on all these other places throughout the United States, places maybe you're not even allowed to go. And he always brings an EMF detector amongst other tools and that whenever something weird is happening, that stuff goes off. There is something up with EMF. And in my opinion, as an ex practicing magician, I think in my opinion, magic actually comes down to EMF in a way. Let me just ask the viewers a quick question. Then would you like to see me and Jen, my co-host go on a randonautica with our GoPros with EMF detectors, put a one in the chat. If you think we should stay clear of that, put a two in chat because we have discussed it. We've been watching some of these Randonautica videos and they are quite compelling. All right. So next question is from Belma Camilleri. Um, what are the most recent, I am, you know, in the last few decades of weather manipulation that you know about? I think I think the latest ones was probably the ones you just covered, right, Teresa? Yeah, just to like build that question, shout out to Camilleri if she's Maltese. My last name is Maltese too. But um, anyways, uh, to build on that, like in the previous question, I think this, the patents of the last more modern times are dealing with more manipulation of sound waves and EMF. So like, I think honestly, electromagnetic radiation is a key for the powers that be um, and relating back to occultism. I honestly think, there's my own theory, that they're trying to make the earth inhospitable to organic humans. And they want, you know, modified humans who have certain things in their bloodstream, in their DNA. They want to make it more hospitable for them. And maybe entities can come through more easily dealing with a modified EMF of the earth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, does this tie into Elon Musk's transhumanism and chips in the brain? I'm sure, I'm sure it does. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I that's a funny thing that you even bring him up just like real quick. It's like he's Mr. AI and he's literally got on shows before and said AI is like a magician standing in the pentagram thinking he's controlling the demon and the demon's controlling him. So, like, what are you telling us, dude? I just don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing the rise of like chat. What is it? Chat GPT. AI apps, uh, AI art, um, it's all coinciding with, you know, the most recent uh, medical jabs. Like, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this is all like well-coordinated effort. We've got to stay away from that that subject. (laughs) Uh, Oracle of Truth has asked, do you think next rad radars can steer hurricanes? I don't even know what, what's that? Say that again. Do you think NEXRAD, N-E-X-R-A-D, radars can steer hurricanes? I know there's been quite a few questions about hurricanes. And and from what I've seen, 
Um, it's to do with the oil industry and the way they construct shipping lanes has changed the wind currents, which has caused hurricanes and disasters and floodings in areas that previously didn't have them. Um, Ash has just put, uh, expanded on this with a little bit of information for me. Next Rad, or Next Rad, is a network of 160 high-resolution S-band Doppler weather radars operated by the National Weather Service, an agency of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration within the atmosphere. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> I've never heard of that, actually. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. You I, know what? I, I did actually uh, wonder, and I didn't have enough time because it was a thought that popped into my head previously on the show. This isn't going to really get into hurricanes, but I did wonder, like, um, we had all those balloons going over the United States. And now we're having all these things that are being burnt or dropped and all this stuff going into the air. I do wonder if I was to able to find a, a flight pattern that was correct. I'm wondering if those things already produced the weather that it wanted to blow this stuff or to create the clouds for it to rise up to move and then drop back down somewhere else. Like were these balloons actually creating weather atmosphere for all this stuff that's being released into the atmosphere now? And do you think they were they were uh, sent by the Chinese, or that's some kind of? Oh, I we'll blame everything on China, right? It's China or Russia. We prefer blaming everything on the CIA on this channel. Yeah, man, I don't think it was China. Let's put it that way. <laughs> let's 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 go to the chat. Balloons, UFOs, balloons, UFOs getting shot down. Is China behind it? Put a one. Are the CIA behind it? Put a two in the chat, please. <laughs> uh, we've, only, we've only got just over five minutes left, guys. Um, could you tell us more then about, you know, what wh how the channel came about that you guys launched? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I have my show, The NY Patriot Show. Um, you know, I, I originally used to be a member of the OTO, actually, the Order of Templi Orientis. Um, I ended up leaving. I just what, What's that? What is the order of? It's a secret society, actually. Uh, this is secret society. Society, what, what, what is the mission of it? Um, for me, the mission of me joining is that I do believe that magic was real and I do believe we we're being manipulated. And I think the human race is, you know, just being pushed in directions from magic. And I actually just, you know, I was really big into conspiracies and do believe that uh, magic is real. So I was like, you know, uh, how about I just figure out how it works and maybe I can keep myself out of the matrix or build my own GPS and just have an easy life. It wasn't to be a self-centered, uh, left-hand path, uh, pig type of person. You know, it was really just for my own benefit and maybe I'll become a better human. I joined the OTO, stayed for a few years. I mean, I knew it wasn't for me as soon as I got there. Um, started having my own magical experiences and realized whatever I was, uh, the OTO just was the complete opposite of with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What I was looking for. Uh, so I left. And then once I started paying attention to the news again, 
instead of paying attention to magic and practicing and, you know, started putting on the TV again, you know, I had nothing else to do. Uh, I was like, wow, there's a lot of occultism going on right now. And it's like fully in our faces. And I didn't know it was this bad. And I was like, I got to start a show. And uh, I started a show, the occult rejects. I did uh, when I originally started it, I did start with somebody who was in the golden dawn or supposedly was in the golden dawn. I don't know how truthful that was, um, was I did start to show with that person. And then eventually, um, Teresa was a fan that used to hit me up with tons of stuff. <laughs> and we ended up doing shows. No lie. We did like two or three shows based off some of the info that she gave us. And it was great stuff. And I started telling her, why don't you start doing your own thing? And she started her own show at the spiritual gangsters. And now, uh, she's been jumping on uh, the occult rejects, covering chakras, uh, covering this stuff, you know, occultism in her own way that she sees it. So it, it worked out pretty well. It was, it was a weird. What are the most popular subjects on your channel? Um, one of the more popular ones is probably uh, the Shriners and Jester series, which is it's probably over like a year old, a year and a half. That was a real popular one. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch was real popular. That's like a five or six part series. And I'd have to say uh, the Scarlet Horror series. We tried to tackle the uh, that occult idea of what the Scarlet Horror is and try to show through Kabbalah and Tarot. Uh, how we think it's a much more deep-seated occult uh, idea, and it's not so much sex as people may think. You know, I, we think that it has been handed to people like that so they don't look at it and don't figure it out. And it's actually one of the more deeply occulted ideas, I think. That if people were to understand what that really was, they might start to question magic and what it really is. A few people asking for your thoughts on Alistair Crowley. Oh, he was a piece of crap. That was another, like, honestly, when I joined the OTO, it was because it was the only place near me. I would have preferred to go to the Golden Dawn. Uh, the OTO was the only thing close to me. I will say I do think, no, I have not done the Abramelin ritual, but in my own way, I have kind of gotten very serious to that extent with very regimented stuff. Times. What does that what does that even mean, and why Abra? Well, that's to uh, get in touch with your holy guardian angel. Uh, there is a book on that. Uh, Crowley did try to attempt that at Loch Ness, and I don't think he finished it and left. And then I think supposedly he did it some other time. But it is like it could be like three to six months where it's like you're supposed to be living in a place where like the house is even built the correct way, facing certain directions. You're supposed to get up and do certain things. It's a long, drawn out, staying to yourself, nobody around you type thing. You can go check out a dark song, uh, Netflix, great, great movie about the Abramelin ritual. You can check that out if people don't know what that is. I have not done that, but to get back to Crowley, I will say I think when it came to occultism, he was a genius, but he was also a depraved human. And he let demons control him, and that's why he died the person who was. So. And how have you found you me? You put that man on a pedestal. I just I'll let your listeners know that now. If they were to hear so my show, know. I have no problem <laughs> saying what I think about that guy. Or what how do you know it's even used for? I do think it's a sigh up in itself. How have you found being a YouTuber, Teresa? Um, you know what? It's been fun so far. I'm fairly new to the game. I think we started, um, I started co-hosting on NY Patriot Show and more recently the Occult Rejects, but I started the Spiritual Gangsters in, I think, June last year. Um, so that's a show where it's a little bit different. It's a little bit of a break from heavy occult and heavy research. More so I found over the last few years, um, I started speaking out on my own social media for obvious reasons of the major events that have been going on 
And um, I just connected with a lot of really amazing people. And I wanted to give them a platform to kind of tell their story. Because I feel like people who sort of, for lack of a better term, like woken up or see through like the BS that's going on, we all sort of have similar characteristics, but an interesting way of how we all got there. So uh, Spiritual Gangsters is very much about that. It's about personal transformation, um, you know, just interesting stories, cool chats for the Awake and Aware crowd. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So, but I owe a lot to uh, NY Patriot because he let me, you know, jump on his show first. <laughs> Actually, I think our first episode together was him interviewing me, just some odd experiences I've had. And um, I'm a bit of like a yoga dropout with a Catholic background. So I have like the Eastern and Western view that I like to bring together, you know, when we talk about things. So, yeah. And she's you guys actually really good with Catholic symbolism. <laughs> like, I hate to say it. Sometimes I tell her it's like you're almost a Gnostic because you can see how much occultism is in Catholicism. And it's better than me, and I love it. So it's a great <laughs> there's, there's There's so many subjects we could get you guys back to talk about. So well researched. It's been absolutely fascinating. And just remind the viewers then where they can find you and support you. Teresa, you go first. Sure. So um, I'm most active on Instagram if people want to find me there. Um, just under my name at Teresa.Kassar. And then also on YouTube and all the major podcast platforms under my show, The Spiritual Gangsters. And then my show, I have the NY Patriots show and the Occult Rejects that is on uh, YouTube as well uh, and all major podcast hosts and pretty much even on my own show, Teresa's like, you know, the co-host now anyway. So you'll get to hear her on there almost as much as on her own show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you very much then, guys. You have a great rest of your day. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Later. Thank you. Chet Sandu's book is finally available worldwide on Amazon. He's one of our most viral podcast guests ever. The book is called Self-Made, Juice Paid, an Asian kid who became an international drug smuggling gangster. Do you want to read some of the back, Jen? Yeah, go the blurb. In 1999, Chet Sandu was arrested at gunpoint in Alicante Airport for smuggling the largest quantity of illicit pharmaceutical drugs in Spanish history. Interesting. Overnight, he went from living in the shadows of the Costa del Crimes underworld to being labelled a notorious supervillain in the international press. Incarcerated alongside murderers, rapists and terrorists in a super maximum security wing. He had to navigate a world of murderous knife fights, prison breaks, drug taking and high stake power plays. Good bedtime read. In self-made Jews paid, learn how a British-born Asian kid with disabilities raised in a corner shop emerged as a protector of his family from racist thieves and hooligans. Be prepared to be entertained, informed and offended by Chet's no-holes-barred account of raves, drugs, bodybuilding, entering the fashion industry. Did you know that he dated Kylie Minogue and Naomi Campbell? (laughs) Latest interview. Working the doors and life in one of the world's deadliest places to be incarcerated. If you enjoyed Chet's podcast series with us, there's a lot more detail in the book. Check it out. Worldwide on Amazon, ebook, paperback and audiobook.